Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to the program today on a really hot summer after, well, it seems like summer, but it's spring afternoon here in Sydney and it's about 155 degrees outside. Welcome, Hunty. Hey, g'day, mate. My listeners, good to have you on board. Glad to have you here today. How are you going? It's hot, mate. So hot. That's pretty good in here, though. It's nice in here, This yes. studio, you wouldn't know. It's a hot day outside. Air conditioning's on. Thank, true, true. Thanking the Lord for that. Hey, yes. you had a great morning. Caught up with... Uh, I had a wonderful morning. Caught up yep. with your boy this morning, your son, that you haven't seen for a few years. I haven't seen him since January last year. Your family's all over the place, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, but his son's a pilot and a really good one, too, for one of the commercial uh, airlines. Over in the US. Yes. yes. Very proud of him, I'm guessing. I am very proud of him. Not far from getting married. In fact, you might be going to the US shortly. I've just booked a ticket to his wedding in February. So how are we going to do the program when you're over there? Long distance. Oh, I bet we do not. There's no way you're going to try that stunt from the US. <laughs> if you come to the studio, we'll be fine. If I came to the studio... This studio here. Man, I don't fine. even know how to turn things on here, man. How I'll would that give work? You, I'll give you a quick lesson. <laughs> Well, we're glad you're here today, and we hope the Lord blesses you. Hunty, I reckon we'll start with prayer today. And I, the reason I'm saying that is, man, have we been having troubles? Oh. Nobody knows the troubles oh. we've had. With equipment and software. Oh. You know, on, on 2G, 2GB at 12 o'clock, uh, Deb Knight came on at 12 o'clock, and her microphone, it, it, uh, uh, it, it took them 10 minutes to get her mic going on 2GB today. Yeah, and they're one of the best. And they're one of the best, yeah. Actually, I think I heard very sad that she's lost a gig. Uh, she's actually chosen to look after her children, and she's moved herself from the afternoon show to the evening show. Okay. Yeah. Well, is is that the is that, rumor is mill, that true? Or? Well, the rumor mill. Well, I heard that from her own mouth today with with Ray Hadley. Oh, okay. But but yeah, she's. Yeah. I read in the paper the other day that her her ratings had gone from eleven to six, and I don't Ooh. even know. Hey, man, I'm glad we don't have ratings. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> that'd be a mirror we don't want to stare into. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we do stare into the mirror pretty regularly, and yeah, it's quite do. brutal because when we're online, and we, we, we if you go to AussiePastor.com, that's our Facebook, uh, that's our YouTube. YouTube. No, not our no, YouTube. That's our, our website. That's our website. Yeah. If you go to AussiePastor YouTube or, uh, or Facebook, Facebook especially, we can tell how we go. Yep. And we can see how long people listen for. We can see the drop-off. We can see the retention rate. It's very brutal. Some of our videos have a million views, and some of them, mate, you could use less than 100. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it's got to... To, for me, it's not so many much how many views we got as whether they stay or not. True. And the retention rate, fantastic. For, it's not. It's ba- fantastic. Somewhere around thirty percent. What's right to the end? We love that. Which is you, but, but and usually it's three percent, two, three percent on those social media platforms. I would actually call that a straight out miracle. Miracle. I agree. We've got no time. Pray, hunty. I've got some things okay. to say here. Definitely, Father, Lord, we come humbly in before you this afternoon with one thing in mind, Lord, that you bless all of our listeners, Lord. Oh, we especially pray for those poor people in the Middle East and in Ukraine and Russia who are just totally being bombarded by war. Lord, we know that this is so horrible, and we pray, Lord, you'll bless everyone as you can, Lord. But especially this afternoon, Lord, bless our listeners, I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. This day, 14th of November... Live. Live. In Sydney. 318th day of the year. 47 left, which means about 40 until Christmas. Uh, 332 BC on this day, November 14, Alexander the Great, crowned king of Egypt. That was a big deal, actually. 
He didn't live long after that. Conquered the world, couldn't conquer himself. Died at 33 years of age. 1732, Louis Timothy, I found this interesting, became the first paid librarian in American history. Did you know I was going to be a librarian when I was a kid, Hunter? You were going to be a librarian. Man, I love books. I read books all oh, the time. Oh, my goodness. I was going to be a librarian. I don't know what happened to that dream. I, I think I found out you had to do mathematics, and I was never any good at that. Because, <laughs> you know, the Dewey system and all that sort of stuff that we used to use. The Dewey system, yes. Yeah, heavily heavily based in mathematics. I was a goner. <laughs> 1770, on November 14, James Bruce discovers the source of the River Nile, way, way, way up in north of Africa there somewhere. Nice. 1851, Moby Dick. Do you know what that is? Um, I don't know. Is that a, a story? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a novel. It was first uh, published by Herman Melville on this day. It's a big one. Um, 1922, the BBC began broadcasting in the UK on this day. Long time ago. It's 101 years ago radio's been in the UK. Nice. I like this one. 1960, Ruby Bridges. Does that ring a bell? No. Because the name rang a bell when I read this and was discovering it, but I couldn't remember too much. Well, she became the youngest of a group of black children to attend an integrated school in 1960. She's a very brave girl. Still alive to this day. Nice. Uh, 1969, Apollo 12 blasts off to the moon. Second man vision. 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 No. Mission. Vision. Mission. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, I hear they're going to go to the moon again shortly, hunty. Cool. Seriously. manned, Manned mission to the moon by America. Hmm. 2002, Nancy Pelosi became the first woman to lead the GOP or the Democrat. She's a Democrat in the House of Reps. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and when you when you lead the house over there, similar in Australia, not exactly the same, but as being the prime minister here, like the prime minister is the leader of the House of Reps in Australia. They have a president, so it is a different system in the United States of America. But she was in charge of the house, and uh, she was in charge until a year or two ago. And in two thousand and ten, Sebastian Vettel, what hunty uh, on this day, Formula One. What did he do? I don't like him. What did he become? Formula One champ, the youngest driver ever. To win the world championship. You know how old he was? No, how old? 23. Do you know... That- I, I reckon this new guy has actually won it since and is even younger. Uh, what's his name? The new young gun that's just won it. Oh, the- yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Yes. The Red Bull guy. Hey, did you know that when he was teamed up with Weber, our favourite Aussie F1 driver, the team boss said form finish, so Weber slowed down for him. And on the last lap, while Weber was waiting for him to catch up, he rounded him up and won. I'd like to do that to you. I bet you would. I would. <laughs> if you were leading, they slowed down. The team said, stop, I'd go around you, mate, like you're a parked car. <laughs> well, that's what Vettel did to our, our mate Weber. Yeah, good bloke. Uh, <laughs> Births, 1840. Well, I think you might know this one, Claude Monet. Monet? Oh, an expressionist painter. Very. Uh, for some reason, I knew Hunty would know that. <laughs> he, he actually died in 1926, born in 1840, on this day. Uh, 1904, I'm thinking he won't have a clue who this is, Harold Larwood. No. Famous English bowler in the Bodyline oh, series of 1929. Yes, Actually ended up retiring in Australia. Good bloke, but he gave the Australians heaps. Mm. Uh, 1948, can't believe this. King Charles III, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, King Charles. He's 74 years of age. I know he's an avid listener to our program. Yes, of course. A big shout out to <laughs> yes, you, yes, mate. mate. <laughs> joking, joking for those who think <laughs> I'm serious. Keep the up nice and loud. And this one, really important. 1971, Adam Gilchrist, Australian famous batsman. If you're listening, Adam, mm. we love you. You give me many hours of happiness in my youth. He's 53. Who'd ever believe he would be 53? And that's how old. A great batsman. Deaths. There's only one. 
This was a low death day. Yep. 2014, Jane Byrne, never heard of her. Never heard of her. First woman mayor of Chicago. She died on this day in 2014. Couldn't find when she was born, but I'm guessing she was old. Special day. It's special days. Well, it's World Diabetes Day. It's Children's Day. These are good days. Mm -hmm. And it's Movember, Hunter. You're going to shave your mow off? That's where you show your mow off. No, Movember, you grow a mow. Oh, you grow a mow for cancer. That's right. And you shave it off at the end? At the end, on the 30th, yeah, after you've done done the sponsorship deal ends. Wherever you are, we're glad you're with us today. God bless you. Stick with us. It's going to be a good program. And I want to listen. I just want you to listen to this short from a bloke called Joshua Otsanya. I found it very interesting. Yo, here's some things I had to stop doing to improve my mental health. Number one, staying up late and going to bed whenever I wanted. Number two, comparing myself to others. It doesn't help and no one's path or journey is exactly the same. Number three, staying inside all day. I don't need much. I like to chill in the crib. But a lot of research shows that getting outside is extremely good for your mental health. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth.
that's Lenny LeBlanc above all, one of the really nice songs we sing at church all the time. It's come time for our news stories, Hunty. Indeed. Um, again, trying to get away from too many of the news stories that are around today. What do you think about this AI thing? They, I, I read this article in the paper and I sent it to you, online paper, news, and it had a picture of, I think it was one, two, three, four, five, was it ten? Mm, ten faces. Ten faces. Mm. And it said, guess which ones are the AI. So I actually did it. Mm. Out of ten, guess how many I guessed right. So there were five who are AI and, and five, five who are real. real. Yep. So I actually did it. I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to guess which faces are real. And if you don't know what AI is, what's it stand for, mate? Artificial intelligence. That's right. Tell us a bit more. Okay, so... Computers Quickly tell us a the, bit more. Okay. Artificial intelligence is, is when computers can learn from their mistakes and learn from things around them. So if you say, this is a car, and you show the computer picture of a car, it can then see everything else in the world and go, oh, that looks like a car, therefore it's a car. And it's getting smarter and smarter, and it's teaching itself. They're now at the point where you can say, draw me a picture of a human being, and give them brown eyes. Can you blue. say, draw me a picture of Lloyd? Yes. Well, some sites you can say that, and you have to send a photo of you in, but it'll draw a picture. You can say, draw me a picture on top of the Eiffel Tower. Will there ever come a time where it can say, draw me a picture of Andrew down in, Andrew Hunt down in the Antarctic at Scott McMurdo Base and will do it? It's already way past that because basically what the AI computers are doing is looking at millions and millions and millions of faces of people on Earth and just copying them. That's why you couldn't pick any, any of those ten faces for either real or AI. So, Hunty, guess how many I picked? How many did you get? Two. Right. I, I got 20% right. I was sure I, I had it because I'm looking at the expression in their eyes and, and stuff. Yep. Two out of ten, which yep. I thought was pretty miserable. Yep, yep, yep. I, I saw some people bragging that they got ten out of ten, but people brag, don't yeah, they, just for the sake of bragging. Look, look, there's no reason to brag because those AI photos are literally identical to real photos on the internet. Can you so- pick it? I used to be able to, but they've got so good in there with the eyes and expressions oh, and good. the hair that, that I can't pick it. Is it dangerous? It's going to be very dangerous for us because you imagine if uh, Donald Trump comes on the TV and says, you know, World War III's breaking out, it'll be War of the Worlds all over again. Who's going to know if it's AI or if it's real? Mm, that worries me a little bit. Me because too. Someone could, me too. Someone could... Are they at a point now where they could kind of superimpose me and have yes. me saying you stuff be, You could be not. preaching the wrong, the wrong out of the wrong Bible. Look, people have been scammed already. They've digitally sampled people's voices and they've rung their daughters, rung a mother and said, Mum, yeah, yeah. I'm in trouble. I need to earn $2,000. Put it in my account now. So, Hunty, what's the answer, say, for you and me as we go forward as a ministry? How would we protect ourselves against AI? Well, my wife and I have a code word. If we're talking to someone on the internet, on the phone, and we're not sure it's our partner... We're going to say, what's the code yeah, word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I get that. Oh. I'm talking about how we're we going to protect ourselves so people know, yeah, this is actually Aussie Pastor Ministry. Well, if it's on the Aussie and Pastor And it's not somebody pa- else. If it's on the Aussie Pastor page, it's us. If it's on some random site, then it's not us. Yet, we're on lots of random sites. People who copy and paste their programs, yes. So, it's, man, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going, it's, changing, it's going to change the world for everybody. Is there getting to a place where on Facebook and YouTube, because of AI, you're going to have to put some sort of stamp to say this is our page and... Look, interestingly enough, have you seen those web page verifications where it says tick this box if you're not a robot? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you laugh, well, how easy would it be for a robot to tick the box? It's actually difficult because when a human being ticks it, a human being moves the mouse not in a perfectly linear way. Okay. It moves it slightly up and slightly down until it finally yeah. gets the spot. Now, the computer is assessing every keystroke you've put in for the last 30 minutes. 
So when you click the box, I'm not a robot, it knows you're not because of the way you clicked it. And same with digital faces. Computers actually can look at digital faces and go, bang, that's digital, and that's a real one, that's a fake. Okay. So we'll have to because get the, 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 the digital faces, to fight the computers. The digital faces are too perfect. But I, I guess in the end, Facebook and both Facebook and YouTube do allow us to pay a certain amount of money to show that we're real. And Correct. It could get, get yep. down to that. Yep. Um, what about this one? And, and I know this is sensitive, so we move in very respectfully and very carefully here, mm-hmm. Hunty, of yes. Palestinians and Israelis on the streets protesting and the trouble and the tension that is there. Can I, before we move on, can I say, and I don't want to mention which other side this is, but we've got school children now, before they leave school, changing out of their uniforms so they can go home on the buses and trains in jeans and a t-shirt. I'll say which side that is. That's so the Jewish kids, kids. So little kids now. I'll, I'll say it because are fearful of their lives. Yeah, it's the Jewish kids, and it bothers me too because um, I, I'm thinking in this uh, war that everybody has a um, a partiality. Yes. Um, what really bothers me is when I see the intolerance in Australia that is not in this war. Well, that's my point. If you come to Australia for a better life, free from war, then you do that. Come and leave it behind. And, and I want to encourage you out there, because we can't sit on radio and lecture. No, it's of sometimes, not. Of course we can't. It's, it's um, tempting to, especially for me. You're not a lecturer, hunty, but I am. Oh, I like to rant sometimes. Oh, no, you're not. You're, you've got a gentle heart. But I'm a lecturer. Uh-huh. I'm one to... You know, I don't know whether it's the Irish or the German or what in me. I tend to stand up and lecture. But we can't do that on radio. What we can do is whether you're partial to the Palestinian cause or the Israeli cause, if you're here in Australia, you're here as an Australian. And one of the great things about this country is it is multicultural. We love people from everywhere. And uh, Well, the problem with that protest that you're talking about is actually got out of hand. Some nefarious Well, there's types. more than one that's got out of yeah, hand. Yeah, nefarious there's, there's, types join who just want to be angry. There, there's, a, so. there's, there's a whole heap of them. Yeah. And and I, I'm not against people protesting. No, so you're right. But I think you've got to be careful when you're protesting. You, you know, there, there is this old saying, you've got to walk in the shoes of a, what is it, the moccasins of, of, a, of an Indian to know what the Indian went through, an old yeah, Indian story right, from right, yeah. North America. And, I, and, I, and I think if you're in the Palestinian cause, walk in the moccasins of the Jews for a little bit. And vice think versa. It, wait there. Mm. Wait there. Sorry. Sorry, mate. <laughs> think, <laughs> think about where they've come from, the Holocaust they went through. Yeah. And the wounds that are in their national psyche. And then if you're uh, for the Jewish or cause or you are Jew, stop and think about the Palestinians and think about the trauma and the hurt and the pain. Because on both sides, you guys are people. Yes. You are actually sons of Abraham. The same blood. More than human blood, that you have the same ancestor. And if you think about each other, if you look at the challenges each of you have, and you ask Jesus to help you to be gentle, you might see it in a different way. Hey, Hunty, this yes. is the last story. Yes. Fisherman missing in northern very, Australia. Very, very sad. This guy, I know about this guy because I watched him yep. on TV, yep. online, yep. and listened to him on the radio. I, I don't know whether I should say his name or not, but. It's published now. Yeah, this guy's a, a, a quite a famous fishing journalist mm. here in Australia. He's gone to GB host Hunty. Yes, he's gone missing. Should I say his name or not? Doesn't matter. It's published on. You can search it on Google. So uh, yes, yeah, Roman Butchuski. We yeah. hope, man, you're okay. Yeah, we do. But he's gone fishing up there in northern Australia, outside Cairns, up in the Cape or somewhere. Mm. Mate, last time I was up there with you, you remember we did 
some filming along that river. Yeah, with the crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was walking along. I couldn't take my eyes off that river. Yep. I could hardly. That's right. Look, wherever you are, if you're fishing up there, watch out because there are crocodiles and yep. there are big crocodiles mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm scared of sharks. I'm scared of crocodiles even more, Hunty. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen to this. I really like this lady. Listen to her a bit. Her name's Jock. Doctor, Doctor, yep. Janine, ba- how do you say that last one? Baring. The reason I asked you to say it is because I can't read. The, too the small. Writing, yes, it's just too small. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to her. She's got some good advice. Better digestion and your gut health. So if you've got a lot of gas and bloating, uncomfortable feelings in that gut area, as well as bad breath, can be related to poor gut health. Constipation, diarrhea, so not the healthiest poops. Here are my three tips. Tip number one, stop eating after dark. Your body and digestion is not optimized for proper digestion after the sun has set. Tip number two, stop snacking. Snacking is going to raise your blood glucose levels and your insulin levels throughout the day. Not great for good digestion. And tip number three, eat a clean diet. So eat for nourishment for your body, not necessarily always for entertainment. Follow for more natural health tips.
Idea who sang that song because I've lost my list. Oh, okay. Do you, Hunty? Chris Tomlin. Thank Yeah, of course, it's a Chris <laughs> Tomlin song. Uh, want to welcome Robbie to the program today. Welcome, Robbie. Hey, guys. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Perfectly. Can you hear us okay? Yes. For those who Technology's don't. working. Nice. For those who don't know Robbie, he's. Faith FM resident superstar, actually. So it's privileged. <laughs> and, and he's come on with very little warning today because we had a guest on who was a Middle East expert to go through this with us. And for, for various reasons, he, we'll, we'll try and get him another time. John Carter, uh, God bless you, mate. We're with you. And uh, we'll try and get him another time, Hunty. But today, Ro- Robbie Bergam. Did I say that right? Bergen. Bergen? Yeah. Yeah. A bit like Grolman. Pretty, pretty close. Not easy. Uh, um, we'll be doing a, sh- a show, a program together on Saturday night. Just before we start, do you want to say something about that, Robbie? I am super excited to do this, um, Lloyd. We mm. are going to be in Canberra together mm. Saturday night, um, live across Australia and in front of a live audience. We've got more than 135 people that have already registered for the event wow. as of this morning. I'm a bit more scared of the live audience than I am of uh, the, <laughs> the radio. radio. <laughs> <laughs> because I think we might take some questions from that live audience. Like yeah, a kid, it'll be fun. Like, well, uh, hey, uh, listen, they're going to be they're going to be eating their meals while they're watching us, so it's going to be like entertainment on a whole new level. <laughs> Will we be eating, or do, do we don't get any food? No, you don't get food. Depends how long we take due to the show. <laughs> Listen to Hunty. I, I bet you who are producing and directing the show will be eating That'll down be the bottom. Smog has brought it back with me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, there's I, still some places left. So if you're listening to this in Canberra and you're going to be there Saturday night, we start at 6.30 p.m. Um, you need to register. So RSVP, it's completely free. You need to go visit uh, faithfm.com.au slash events and pick the Canberra location and put your details in and the number of guests you're bringing. And we'll uh, hold your space. Yeah. So I'm, I'm told we, we they can cater for 150, and we are almost there. So about 12 more spaces. Come, mate, Lloyd, Lawson, and Robbie. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Lawson's going to be there too from the breakfast show. You guys from uh, Aussie Pasta. We're going to do Aussie Pasta live on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, I'll be well, there too. What's your show called again? On on Faith, Faith you've got a few experiments. Yeah. So I'm on a number of them. I'm on the Faith <laughs> Experiment. I'm on conversations. I'm on talk from the top. I'm from Australian stories. I told you, he's a superstar. He is. He is. He's a Faith <laughs> FM superstar. Of course. Um, so it's kind of let's say it's a mixture of the Aussie Pastor Faith Experiment, and is it called the Morning Show? The uh, the other one? Yeah, Lawson's Breakfast King. Show. Breakfast yeah. Show. Breakfast Show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of excited. I've never met him. Um, Lawson, that is. I know that uh, we are now. I don't know why, Robbie, but we're here in Faith FM pretty good out our way now. Yeah, we I, are. I don't know it's, what's, com- it's coming in nice and clear. Yeah, I don't know what's happened in the last few weeks or so. Maybe a miracle. Is, how's that? Um, I don't know. That's the technical, guys. I'm, yeah. not con- I'm content, not technical. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about Israel-Palestine. Um, I know it's sensitive and we'll be very careful in this discussion. Um, are the Israelis, Robbie, who now live in Palestine, 
So the Israelis, I'm talking this one side of the equation here. The Jewish they, people you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, that's right, yep. Are they descendants of the Jews who came from Egypt to the Promised Land? So this is going to be a, a lot of information in a short period of time. Um, the short answer is kind of depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. So to, to understand the answer to that question, right? So are the, are the Jewish people living in what we'd call Israel slash Palestine today, are they the originals, right? The ones we talk about in Exodus and... I suppose it's almost, are, are, are they indigenous? Well, this is, okay, so let, let's, let's do a quick history lesson. Um, if, if you talk to a Jewish person today, they say that their ancestry starts to that part of the world around 1,000, uh, sorry, yeah, 1,300 BC, right? So about 2,300 years ago, thereabouts. And um, the idea is, is that if you know your Bible story, a person called Abram, who's later renamed to Abraham, he gets a call by God in the book of Genesis to leave where he is, which was probably around where um, Iraq is today, somewhere around there on the Mediterranean, that's uh, not Mediterranean, the uh, River Euphrates, and God calls him. Now, God doesn't call him to a specific location, just calls him to start wandering, and God will tell him when he gets there. Anyway, it turns out in the story, if you read this, Genesis chapter 1 through to, you know, about 30-something, you end up with a picture that Abraham settles in a place that's called Canaan in the biblical text, which if you were to look at a map today, it would be roughly in the area where Israel is sitting um, on the map today, in our modern maps. Mm. So the initial claim is, is that God gives Abraham this special area called the Promised Land, a land flow of milk and honey. It's the area that you look on the map today and go, that's Israel. Actually, you could almost so, argue that Abraham was up around Jerusalem. And, yeah, and yeah, his, exactly. his so, nephew you know, Lot went down with the Dead Seas now, which was a beautiful valley back then. Correct. Yeah. Now, if you follow, follow the genealogy from that point of view, from about 1300 BC, you get a whole lot of history. This is basically the whole Old Testament story takes place in this, this part of the world, right? And we get down to, you know, we've got all the different kings. We've got Saul, we've got David, we've got Solomon, and then we've got a split empire between the northern tribes and the southern tribes and so on and so on. This all comes down to the year eight, about 800, uh, sorry, 586, 600 mm. BC around there, when a guy called Nebuchadnezzar, who's king of Babylon, he comes in, and um, this is all prophesied, by the way. God tells them this is going to happen, mm. even lists them sort of by name. And um, next thing, they go off to exile. It's not because they didn't, it wasn't random. It was because they continued to rebel against God. This is their own book saying the story, right? So it's not like an outsider making up the story. So you've got basically a period of just under a thousand years of jewish history which we call jewish history right or israelite history in that space now what's interesting is when babylon takes them captive um they destroy what's of the temple at that point and they're off in captivity and then they come back uh, a little bit later on a couple about 70 years later and Actually, to... uh, and those who were left, j- just uh, in case uh, uh, you, you correct me on this, they yeah. ended up, because there was a remnant left, weren't there? Yes. Uh, with Jeremiah. It seems they went off to Egypt. Yeah. And well, so... Yeah, a, we've, got, we've got archaeological evidence that they're on an island called Elephantine Island, which is just off the coast of Egypt, where there were Jewish settlers or Israeli settlers back then. Um, so so the land was almost empty of Jews uh, by the time 70-odd years after the Babylonian conquest. Is that right? But then they came right. back. Then they come back and they start rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple. This takes about 50 or so years to do. 
and then um, so they're, they're back, right? And this is exactly what was prophesied mm. before they went into captivity. So it fulfilled exactly the way. This is Book of Jeremiah, if you're interested. So now we end up, you know, from a period of about, you know, about, about let's just say 500 BC down all the way to um, the time of Jesus, right? So Jesus shows up. He's obviously walking the streets in Jerusalem. He's he's talking about the people of Judah. Uh, the northern tribes have sort of disappeared off the map, so to speak, and we're left with really the tribe of Judah, um, some Levites who were the priests, and um, they're all sort of around where we call Jerusalem today. Well, those northern tribes kind of went into slavery and never came back. Exactly. And, and also there's a lot of mingling in with the other surrounding tribes yeah. and nations and things. And like Samaritans, for example, in the time of Jesus, they had intermingled with the previous 10 tribes to some extent. And so they were sort of seen as um, like, how dare you, from the, Ju- uh, the, the Judah perspective, that was seen as like, how dare you guys intermingle and, and weaken the seed of, of, of Abraham and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was even conflict back in their time yeah. between the, what we'd call the northern tribes, which would be Syria today and, and Lebanon, that area, mm-hmm. with what we'd call you know, Jerusalem area, which was Judah back then, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the time and frame that Jesus walks into, and this is you know, a good 400, 500 years later after they come back out of exile. So there's a long history of Jewish or Judah, descendants of Abraham sort of dwelling in this area, right? But where it gets really messy is about 135 AD. So we, I think most people are familiar with 70 AD, with the destruction of the temple, with Titus and marching from the Romans and all that business, right? Taking the, the, um, all the instruments away and, and basically fulfilling what Jesus had prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem. But it doesn't really get worse until 135, 136 AD, right? So this is 135 years after, um, you know, the birth of Jesus, all that sort of period. And what happens here, this is where it's very interesting. So the Romans come along and they decide they had enough with the Jews. There'd be nothing but problems for mm, them in this mm. the territory of uh, Judea. Which they had. And the Jews really stuck it to the Romans, probably oh, as much as any was. other group they ever conquered. The Jews would yeah. have been almost the most troublesome. Well, this this was culminated because of what they call the third Jewish revolt against yep. the Romans. Yep. So this was the third and final one. And then the Romans are like, nah, we're done with this. And so in, in 136 AD, the emperor Herodian at the time, he executes a decree to expel all Jews from the land of Judea, gone. And uh, they couldn't practice any more practices of Jewish customs, including Sabbath, circumcision, these sorts of things. And basically kicked them out. And so from that point, and they also renamed the capital. They renamed Jerusalem. The Romans renamed it to Aurelia Captolia or something like that. My Latin's mm. not, not a bit rusty. So at that point, we really have um, limited what we'd call Jewish people living in that part of the world. They've been expelled. And the funny thing is, right, and it's not really funny in a funny way, but it's an interesting way, is that Jesus prophesies this in Luke 21. Yeah, he does. Verse 24. He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and then the destruction of the Jewish nation. He says, they'll fall by the sword. They'll be taken prisoners to all nations that are dispersed. And he says, Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of Gentiles is fulfilled. So from a prophetic perspective as Christians, we see 136, 135 AD with this Roman decree as the fulfillment of Jesus's prediction that he made, you know, almost a hundred and something years before of the idea that the the Jews have rejected Jesus and rejected him as Messiah, and therefore the, they will suffer the not the consequences, but the consequences 
of being dispersed amongst all the nations, which is not dissimilar to the same sort of fate that they faced in the Old Testament. Every time they rejected God and his promises and his advancements, they would be dispelled to the surrounding tribes that have troubles. I mean, this is the whole period of the judges, the cycles of this. The judges would they'd, they'd rise up, they'd try and bring back revival, they would reject it, they'd go into captivity, they'd cry out, they'd come back. And so the cycle keeps happening. So when they got dispersed, so and they did, what yes. they call it, the, the disper- uh, there's a word for it, the dysphoria. Dysphoria, yes. Yeah. Uh, when they got dispersed, they never lost their Jewishness, though, did they? Wherever they Correct. went, they seemed to hang on to that. Correct. So it's not like when we disperse as nations, you know, I come from Britain and Ireland and Germany and Switzerland and all over Europe, my family have come to make who I am today. We don't really hold on to our culture, our ways, our religions, but they did. Correct? They did. Yeah. Correct. So, so to cut this story short, because I want to ask you about the Palestinians and then we're going to have a song and we're going to come back and, and, yep. and look at some of the really weightier questions. Um, they kept their, their Jewishness, correct? And so these people who have come back to Israel, well, two questions. Have there always been Jews in Israel, though? Was there always a remnant? That's the first one. And the second one, those who have come back are probably then descendants of those original Jews from the times of the Romans. So first yeah, look, question, uh, the, was there a remnant? And then the second one, are, are yeah. the ones who have come back the, the real so deal? The, the answer to the first question is probably I mean, there's still there is archaeological evidence that there's always been, you know, there's pottery, for example, there's there's um, buildings, there's structures that have have shown that there's it, it, a remnant for sure. Like the definition of remnant is very very few. I, I, no the reason a, I say that is a nation. there's pretty big evidence in the days of the Crusades. I mean, it's yes. it's, it's unarguable, inarguable, however you say that. Yeah. Yep. That there were Jews in Jerusalem when the Crusaders were there, and that's a thousand years after Christ. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they're so, there. I, there's I no doubt they're I there. Think, I don't think it was the, the scale that we see now. But no, definitely no. There was, there's been a presence, right? So the second question, I think, was was the ones that came yeah, back. Is that but, so the ones was? that have come back, there's no doubt they have the Jewish customs, they have the Jewish language, they, they still speak the Hebrew, they have the Jewish religion. Yeah. They probably, would it be fair to say, are descendants of those original Jewish inhabitants. I know, I know that we've probably got listeners that are into their conspiracy theories and things yep. like that. Yep. And there's a big conspiracy theory that's been going around for decades that um, the Jews in Israel today yep. are not authentic Jews. They're like um, European wannabe sort of thing that you know saw opportunity. Now that may be that may be partially true. I, I mean, how can you prove it or disprove it? Would DNA uh, prove it? DNA tests these days? Well, they've done DNA tests and they and then. Yeah, I mean, I've seen compelling evidence on both sides of the argument. Okay, yeah. I, th- I think the conclusion is is that there has to be there has to be some lineage, right? I'm not saying all the tribes of Israel are reflected in the current Jews that migrated from Europe back into the what we call the state of Israel today. I don't know if that's that's entirely true, but at the same time, I can't think I I don't think you can just say no, they're all there's no descendancy at all. It's complete um, imposters and all this sort of stuff, which is what some of these conspiracies say. There's somewhere in between the truth, right? Somewhere in the middle is where the truth sits. But I think, like culturally, for sure, there are there is evidence that the culture of the Judeans, which have become the Jews, which is now the Israelis, yep. has been unbroken for centuries and millennia. And all over Europe, we've still got evidence. Even as far as China, there's evidence of um, Jewish communities being established. So I don't think you could say that it's it was all dissolved at some point, and what we've got now is an imposter lookalike sort of mm. version. 
do I think that every single person that says that they're a Jew is uh, directly traced back to Abraham? Probably not. I mean, there's so much intermingling. Mm. But the, I'll say this. The Jewish people in general are very good at keeping it within their own community. Yeah. And that's how they've been able to preserve their identity and their culture. Okay, let's hold it there. Let's have a song. Hunty, I don't even know what the song is because I can't see. So you're going to introduce a song. Hold on, Robbie, because I want to come back and talk to you about the Palestinians. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Alrighty. So the next song we're going to hear is Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary, and it's by the Collingsworth family. Now, all I have to do is find it. <laughs> Here we go.
Hearts Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary by the Collingsworth Family, my dad's favourite song, by the way. So, Dad, I know you're listening. That's one's for you, mate. Welcome back, Robbie. Thank you. I think we've worked out that there is uh, some sort of link between the Jews, modern-day Jews, and, uh, well, at least back to the time of the Romans. Um, tenuous maybe in places, but it's there. Um, sure. I want to talk about the Palestinians now. Who are yeah. they? Uh, where do they come from? How long have they lived there? Are they Jews too? Uh, just a different branch? or Because or, I'm hearing some people say that now, that they might be the old Samaritans. So I, I, what's your view on who are the Palestinians? The, the, and the reason we ask this question, if, if you're watching this um, confrontation, it's between the Jews and the Palestinians. So we, we want to yeah. find out where both sides come from. They want to talk a little bit about Bible and prophecy. And because we always talk so long, I might uh, leak over if you've got the time, Robbie, into our Bible study time. Um, so let, let's start with that question on the Palestinians. So this is a really interesting one, right? Like most people think, and this is my, my, my experience as a Christian, Yep. you hear the word Palestine and you think of Philistines, right? You think the Philistines were there. Clearly in the story, there were Philistines in the land when the Jews or the Israelites came from Egypt and they went to the land of milk and honey and they had to fight off all the in the uh, and, and they came people. from down Gaza area. The exactly, Philistines right? actually like came had, from down the Gaza area. You had the you had Goliath, you know, mm. that's that's great story with David and Saul and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So there's an there's an assumption today that the Palestinians are the descendants of those people who were in Bible times who were in the land before the Israelites came. Mm. So therefore they have the claim, right? And that's that's some of the arguments that I hear yep. from listeners. I've read it on social media and so on and so on. There's only a little bit of a problem with that, is that there is nothing to do with Palestinians and Philistines. There's no connection to those two things. Yeah. Um, and this this isn't just me speaking. By the way, I'll be very, very clear. I'm not pro-Israel. Mm. in any of this conflict stuff. And I'm also not necessarily pro-Palestinian. Um, yeah. I'm just a Christian that believes that Jesus is the only answer to any of these problems. Yeah, amen. Me and, too. And I'm interested, but I'm interested in a, a sort of, as best as you can, a non-biased view of history, which is always a loaded statement. But yep. let, let's start from that perspective. So what's interesting is, is that the the idea of a, a Palestinian not being connected to a Philistine, even though they sound sort of somehow related, maybe they're root words or something, it's actually got nothing to do with one another. And let me give you a quick history of this, because it will explain where these where Palestinians today, where they, where they come from, right? Mm. So it turns out that um, the Philistines, so this is the David and Goliath Philistines, yep. right? They were living in what we'd call ancient Israel, so like the area of Israel, Jew, uh, Jerusalem, all that area. They were living there around 1200 BC. Now, if you remember the previous segment, I said that God calls Abraham in 13 um, AD, uh, sorry, BC. So you got about 100 BC. years. Yeah, 1300. Yeah. yeah. You got about 100 years between Abraham being called and the whole Philistine stories taking place that we have in the Bible, right? So what is interesting is that the word Philistine is a Semitic word, which is the, the language of that area, right? Whether it's Israeli or Jewish or Hebrew or um, Arabic, it's sort of the root language, mm. Semitic. And the word for Philistine, so not Palestine, but Philistine, the root word means the invader or the invaders. Mm. And what we know today from archaeology is that these invaders, these Philistines, were probably 
precursors to what we'd call the Greeks, that area. So they were coastal from Mediterranean, and they were invading all from basically coming from what we call Europe today into what we'd call the Middle East, right? So they were invading in. They're like the Vikings of the Middle East. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly what they were. Right. They were the Vikings of the Middle East. So they come in, they they colonize, they rape, they pillage, basically Vikings in the Middle East, like yep. you just said, right? When Israel, like the descendants out of Egypt, come into Cana, they're fighting against these guys. These guys have invaded from the um, from the east, from what we call Mediterranean Europe. They've invaded into now the Promised Land, which is going to be the Promised Land, but the Israelite descendants are coming out of Egypt and they're coming in and they're told, go wipe them out. Now, these people were vile, okay? And we know that from archaeology. They would kill their kids. They would sacrifice anybody and everybody, young virgins, the whole deal. Like, what you think of paganism, mm. that's what these guys were doing. Now, it turns out that the Jewish people or the Israelite people were told to basically wipe them out because their probation or their period of repenting had ended, so uh, had passed, and God said, okay, time to take them out. Um, but they didn't do it. You can read about this in the, the Chronicles and the Kings and Samuel, mm. these stories. They didn't, they didn't do what God had told them to do. And so there's traces that are left to, to live on till about 700 BC when the king of Babylonia, he goes in and he wipes out the Philistines. So yeah. they, even the Babylonians, the precursors to Babylon and, and, um, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the precursor to them, even they didn't like the Philistines. So they, they finished them off, right? So they ceased to so exist. They ceased to exist. And today we have got zero evidence that there is any existence of what we call the Philistines to this day. Like so they were the, literally made extinct. If the Palestinians aren't the Philistines, who are they? Okay. So here's where it gets interesting. The land of Palestine that we think of now, which is the term that uses used for Israel, wasn't used until 135 AD. So remember before we talked about how the, mm, the right. Romans came in and they and they kicked out the Jews? When they kicked out the Jews in 135 AD, they also they named the area. So Judea, which is what was called Judea in Jesus' time, and for another hundred years after that's called Judea, the province of Judea, they renamed that to the land of Palestine. That's right. So the first reference to Palestine we have as a territory is in 135 AD. Now, the reason why the Romans chose that word is because it was a reference to the enemies of Israel back in the BC period. Mm. And so this was an attempt. They were getting rid of the people, they were getting rid of the culture, and they were trying to get rid of the memory. The Romans were trying to erase the Israelites from history. So they named it, they named, renamed the city Jerusalem, they renamed the country, and this is where Palestine becomes the first time a country or region is named after the invaders of the Philistines sort of yep, thing, right? Yep, it's, that, yep. it's that idea. So now we've got Palestine. Now, Palestine, 135 AD, it continues to be used by every successive power, world power. It gets used by the Ottomans, it gets used by the British, the French, the Europeans, Um all the way down to one uh, to 1929. So you know, as in last century, 1929, the British they get control, or they ha they join leagues with the French. I mean, this is messy history, but the mm. the French and the English come together and they take um, <laughs> take over from the Ottoman Empire, and they uh, call the British call it the British Mandate of the Palestinian Mandate that the British executed over the area, and they execute that from 1921 to 1948. Now, what's my point of all this? If you lived in that part of the world under the British mandate from 1921 to 1948, 
Guess what passport you had? You had, you had a, a British passport, was it, or was it a Palestinian? Or I, I don't know. You had a you had a Palestinian passport. Okay, so that would be Jews, Arabs, Jews, and everybody, Arabs everybody, and Christians, yeah, everyone, everyone. Yeah. So if you lived under the British mandate, nineteen twenty nine. 1948, you had a, a Palestinian passport. Yep. Even the I've, I've seen a video. You can go Google it. You can see a video of the Prime Minister of um, Palestine. So this was during that period, 1921, 1948. She it was a lady. Um, Golda Meir. Minister. Golda Meir, and she did. She claimed. She said, "I'm Palestinian." So what do you mean? She said, "Look at my passport. I've got a Palestinian exactly. passport." Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So in that period, Palestinian just meant that you were from that country. You're from and that, that area. Country, that, that country or that area was what we would call historically Judea yeah. or Jerusalem being the capital, right? And it, to so, be fair, it was, a, it was a, 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 a cooking pot of just about uh, yeah, many pot. different uh, uh, cultures and religions and nationalities. It really was an international sort of a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And so the, the Palestinian was Palestinian Jew, Palestinian Arab, Palestinian Christian. It didn't matter. Mm. You, if you were there, you were a Palestinian, right? So here's the, this is the first secret to understanding a bit of the history. Yeah. Palestinian doesn't equate a culture. It doesn't equate a heritage. It doesn't equate an ethnicity. It equates to a region that was initially coined by the Romans when they tried to get rid of and erase the Judean history of the Israelites. So today, like, put this in context. You know, you know the Jerusalem Post, right? Mm. It's the official newspaper yeah, or the major newspaper in Jerusalem. I'll read it. The Jerusalem Post, guess when that name was coined? It was coined in 1950. Do you know what the Jerusalem Post was called before 1950? I'm guessing the Palestinian Post. Exactly, the Palestinian Post. In fact, the, the British Army in World War II sent a regiment from Palestine to fight in World War II in Europe, right? It was called the Palestinian Regiment of the British Army, and it was made up of, guess what? Jews and Arabs. Jews. Did you there say Jews and Arabs? There were Jews and Arabs, but it was primarily, I think it was about 80% of the regiment was Jewish and about 20% was Arab. But the point was that they were all Palestinian. So the question is, what changed? All right, so here's what changed. 1948, the, uh, Israel gets its own state. Under the which which of, was in some sense a result of the Holocaust, where, exactly. where Jews yeah. were crying from all over the world, give us our own land where we can be safe. Correct. I mean, because you remember, there was no, like, you know, Spanish people can always connect back to Spain. Yeah. Chinese people can always connect back to China. But for a Jewish person for that whole period of time, it says 1935, yep. uh, sorry, 135 AD, there is no homeland. Yeah. Like, it's your exile. So there were, World War II was really the culmination of pushing. And then, look, to be fair, there was a whole Zionist movement that was Yeah, like, I was, was going to say, it, uh, we've got to be careful because it is true Israel becomes a state in 1948, but there certainly was agitation between Jew and Arab before then. Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and violent confrontation. It yeah. started to crank up pretty seriously before 1948, yeah. So, yeah, leading up to 1948, there was a migration going in. Like, I think I've read statistics where it went from, like, um, 18% of that area was seen as Jewish yeah. versus Palestinian to, like, those numbers being flipped in the case of, like, a decade. Mm. And so, because there was a big push. And the more people that move there, the more we'll get our homeland. Rah, 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 and right. the more so, Jewish it would become. Yeah. But it's, it's so, 1940. So, yeah, go, go, go. It's, it's 1948 that 
the uh, you know there's a majority here now of of people who identify as Israeli or Jewish descent. When I say Israeli, it's like the children of Israel. That's what we're getting yeah, that from. Yeah. And so 1948, you know, they get their, they declare themselves an independent sort of state, which um, obviously was a loaded thing to do. And it takes two years until they start switching the term from Palestine back to um, Israel. Israel. And the reason for it initially, this is this is a description we read in history. It's not because of the Palestinian people that we think of today. It's because Palestine, Palestine was a term given by the Romans right. to represent the erasing of the Israeli yeah. culture yeah. And, and civilization. So getting rid of Palestine from the name, the passports and all that, the newspaper, the regiment, all that stuff was a step of showing that we're back and, uh, you know, we're back on the world stage and uh, it's all what all our conquerors have done in the past is now being undone. So that's where it's that's where it starts getting really difficult now, because if you were living there and you were uh, what we would call Palestinian Arab, now you feel like the coins just flipped and now you're being erased versus the the in, in you know, the, the inverse of that. Um, so Pal- Palestinians, as I'm hearing you, are Arabs. Okay, so that's the point. We just I just missed it. Yeah. So how did what happened between 135 AD when the Romans rename it to Palestine and 40, uh, 1948 when they renamed Palestine to Israel? What happens in between there? Where do these people come from? Well, it basically starts 700 AD. So you got you got about you know 400 years, where it is 500 years after the Romans do their thing, you have this new religion come on the world stage called Islam. And about 700 AD, Islam is it's primarily in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia on the peninsula. And the um, the religion spreads. Muhammad dies by about 700 and something AD. And but that doesn't stop the religion. The religion is just flourishing. And wherever they do, they have they have military campaigns. And once they conquer the the different regions and tribes of the Arab Arab speaking world, because they were all pagan. I mean, mm, you got to remember this. Mm, yeah, Arabs they were. were pagan. They were multi-deities. They were just as yep. bad as the Canaanites back in the old days. Yeah. So when Islam starts spreading, they are converting not just the um, the political power but as they conquer it. They're also converting the religious ideology and culture to guess what? To Islam. By force. It's, 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 it's By, important. It, whereas Christianity spread through word of mouth and the joy of finding Christ, Islam did and, spread by force, and that's historical fact. Yeah. Until, uh, well, with Christianity, that's true until the Romans got well, involved right. in Christianity, and then we had the Crusades and stuff, which was just as dodgy as the. Well, as ma- the, um, maybe more so. Maybe yeah. more so. Because uh, and, the Crusades, and we could talk about that another time, but you've got a, a foreign, you, you've definitely got foreign armies invading indigenous cultures. Yep. There's no the doubt name about of, that. And doing terrible, yeah, and doing terrible things too to the Arabs. Horrible, horrific. Yeah, it was horrendous. Yes. So 700 days when the spread of Islam starts going across the Arab world, and then it, it doesn't really, uh, well, it kind of, the demographics change, the power struggles change, but it's really the 1600s. So this is the Dark Ages in terms mm. of Christian history. 1600s is when the Ottoman Empire basically takes over the whole of Eastern, what we'd call Europe, right? So, in fact, very Rome, fortunate that they didn't take Europe full stop. There was a couple of key battles right yeah. up to the steps of Austria. You're talking yep. about a battle in um, Salzburg and, and, and uh, uh, around some of the major cities of Austria where they finally stopped or else Europe would be Muslim today. 100%. 
Yeah, but I mean, they were so, crucial battles. Interesting story, that, and here's way, I'm going right off course here for a second, um, but I've, I've resigned myself that we're going to do another section in a minute. <laughs> um, there's some discussion that it was Islam invading Europe under the Ottomans, who were the ones who took out Jerusalem. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was Islam invading Europe that gave the Protestant Reformation room to breathe because the Catholic armies were forced to go and defend against Islam, where behind them was Protestantism growing up. Yep. and into some maturity. So I, I just found that a little interesting sidelight. So, so what you've got is, is, is we, we come to the end of this section, then we're going to come back and talk about the Israelis and Palestinians. The Palestinians basically, as I'm hearing you, are Arabs that are Islamic. Now, there's no doubt a number of them now have turned to Christianity, praise God. I've met them. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, and it's a wonderful thing. But they are generally Arabs that were living there under the Ottomans and others um, for hundreds, maybe thousands hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of well, years. Well, for a long time yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, look, the Ottoman Empire sort of it, it didn't dissolve until the late 1800s or middle 1800s. Well, so you've got you had a couple of hundreds of years under Ottoman Empire. Like my, my mother-in-law is Macedonian, mm-hmm. and her... Her village that she was in was under the control of the Ottoman Empire for 400 years. I mean, this and is when some we talk about the time. Ottoman Empire, for those who don't know, basically it's the Turkish Empire, which yeah. was a Muslim empire. It was really Correct. World War One that really started to crack that empire apart. Yeah. Uh, until so then, that, so that brings us to how, like, so under under the Ottoman Empire rule, is what we call Israel today or Judea, that region, it's it's completely under control of Islam, and so. As you can imagine, as Arabs are free to go here or there, anywhere on the Ottoman Empire, we have Arabs, we have Islamic um, beliefs being held there. Now, that's not that's not changed. The dynamics there aren't changed until World War One, hmm. when the British and the French get together to basically bring down the the last remnants of the Ottoman Empire. Well, let's hold there, and we're going to come back and talk about the Palestinians and the Israelis together. This is a good song. Come listening to <laughs> the Aussie Nightstar here on Faith FM. Hunty, <laughs> I know you can hear me out there. Yes, well, He cannot help himself. Well, you need to, run, you need to follow the run sheet. <laughs> <laughs> there is no sting in the run sheet. Ah, there is on the run sheet. I'm waiting for him to strike back. Come, Christians, join us in. The reason song. we put this song in, because it's just, I'm trying to choose songs the last month or two that we sing in church. Yeah. Well, I sing this one a whole lot, but when we ever have a grand occasion, we sing this one. Grand, glorious hymn. Thanks, Hunty.
fantastic song, aren't he? And Absolutely. when we sing that, it's a beauty too. That's from Grace Community Church in America. It's being sung live in church. And, and we do sing that song ourselves from time to time. Welcome back, Robbie. Thank you. Um, you like that song, mate? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I do too. It's, it's one of those stirring songs. When you're singing, it puts, and you're in church and it's a big crowd, puts the hair on the back of your neck up. Hey, I want to now, I definitely want to get through in the next. Uh, 12 minutes, these next four questions. So we're going to have to boot it pretty fast. Let's As I it. understand it, you've got, uh, 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 so, so you've got the land of Palestine, the land of Israel, which is made up of Palestinians. Mostly they have an Arab background who are Islamic, and you've got Jewish people who are primarily either secular or belonging to the religion, um, uh, you know, of of, of uh, Israel. Um, how would you? Judaism. Judaism. You'd call it yeah. Judaism. Um, and there's a scale to that too, right? There's the there secular is a, version to right to this through the Orthodox. I was about to say a lot of Israel is actually quite secular. Yeah. Uh, they're very Western, very much like us, some of them. Although when I was there, I, I did recognise the fact that they still are quite different than us too. Do you reckon the fact that these two groups came into the land does one group have a right to it more than another it depends who you're going to talk to i guess um from my perspective you know like it seems like the oldest and again i'm not pro-israeli at all but from a if you if you're arguing purely from the bible perspective then you'd say that well Israel's got the claim to the land right but then equally you can argue well it wasn't a god that sent you out because you you missed all the boxes sort of thing so you could argue from that side from a jewish perspective from a palace like what we call palestinian side like the arab palestinian it's it's more difficult to argue it other than the fact that they've been there for hundreds of years since the islamic which is an argument in itself and a pretty powerful one actually for sure i mean i'll tell you why because we're australians yeah we've been here for hundreds of years some of them some of i mean i've got i got ancestors that go back to almost the first fleet Irish um, I own a farm I'm Australian yep. my grandfather went up and fought for Australia on the Kokoda track lost most of his mates and his life was ruined right I'm Australian 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 I am Australian Australian blood the red dust of this uh, country runs in my veins and you can argue that whether you're a Jewish person in Israel or whether you're an, an Arab a Palestinian if you've got hundreds of years of ancestry there uh, and they seem to all have, in one way or another, yeah. then they do belong to that land. And I'm talking about sharing the land now. Yeah, yeah. And this this is why it's so complicated, right? Because, like, exactly what you said, if someone showed up to my house and said, hey, this this house, this land belonged to me and to my ancestries, you know, 2,000 years ago, I'd be like, dude, I've been here for my whole life. You get off my land now before I, you know. So it, it gets very, very messy. And this is where the nationalism kicks in versus you know individual family tradition and cultural lineage and things like that so it's 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 a really difficult question to answer because like at what point do you draw the line i mean like if you wanted to argue well the canaanites had it before the israelis but the canaanites don't exist anymore so what do we do then i I think this is the victor the indigenous argument and i get into trouble this might be the last time i'm on faith fm saying this (laughs) the indigenous argument i reckon generally is a false argument and it's yeah. non-biblical, and I'll tell you why. Because I believe God made human beings indigenous to the planet. Yep. We're all indigenous to the planet. 
we're made up of the very substance of this planet. Do you know what I mean? Yes. If, if when we get to heaven one day, and and if and I believe there probably is other races around the the the, the universe, we will be seen as indigenous to the human to human beings to Earth. Yeah. It is our planet. We all belong here. There is not one group that belongs to the planet more than any other. So, so that, this being said, and I want to qualify this question, is this a clash between two great religions, Judaism and Islam? And I, and I say that because from the, from the Jewish side, I, I see a fear there. It's a latent, deep fear that if Israel was to become a land of whatever you want to call it, Palestine or Israel, that which involved both Jews and Arabs, I think they have this fear that they would be overrun, that they would be massacred again because Islam, I'm not saying this is what would happen, but they have this perception that Islam uh, would have no tolerance for them. Uh, yeah. and, and so they, it seems like they feel like they've got no choice but to keep Israel Jewish. Uh, and then you've got the Palestinians saying, well, well, hey, we've been here for hundreds of years. These are our farms. These are our olive groves. These are our villages. We, we deserve a part of this, or we deserve to actually own it. And, and you've got extreme um, Palestinian movements like Hamas, which I think are a, a, a clear and present danger to Israelis. So is this unworkable? Is it a clash of ideologies, of religions, in your view, uh, that just cannot be solved on this earth? The short answer is I agree with you. I, I think it is something that's not going to be solved. But let me explain why, because I think the, the, if you put yourself, like I, I, I talk to a lot to Jewish people and I've got a, a few Israeli, uh, like Arab people that side with the, um, against the Israelis with the Palestinians, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what I get a sense of is from a Jewish perspective, like a modern day Jewish perspective, they have got major dilemmas in the like the fundamentals of their faith their faith is based on the geography and their geography the center of that geography is the temple mount and the temple and for them it is fundamentally important if they want to see a messiah come mm-hmm. and see you know the rest rest of their story wrapped up see from a christian perspective we we don't really care i mean i mean there are some evangelical christians that do care maybe it's that another time but from a christian perspective a biblical christian perspective we don't really see uh, you know, that there's a need for the territory. Why can't you just live together and love one another? That stuff? Yeah. But that's not how they're thinking. They're thinking of, no, you guys have invaded our territory, meaning the, the Arab Muslims. Yep. You guys built a, a mosque on our holy mountain mm-hmm. where our temple is. But deeply offensive the for destroyed. them. Yeah, deeply, offend- deeply offensive for a traditional Jew. Yeah, and so from their perspective, it's not about trying to find a, a, a midway. Now, there are secular Jews who don't have as, as passionate a view and they're all about tolerance and let's just get along with one another. But mm. if you are, you know, Orthodox Jew, you want to see that that dome removed, the temple rebuilt, the services instituted, and Messiah to come. That's what you want to see. From an Islamic perspective, they, they're like, no, dude, we've lived here for 400 years and, and you try and find reasons to justify why your claim is better than your claim and back and forth. So the thing is, they're not, they're not ever going to think the way a, a follower of Jesus thinks today. Follower of Jesus thinks of, well, how can we just all live in harmony and peace with one another? Actually, what you could argue they're not going to think like a general they're Westerner. They're not going to think like that. They're not going to think like that. And in fact, if you watch when Hamas did their thing into Israel a couple of weeks back now, 
they interviewed some of the um, uh, Palestinians, right? Who mm. were, and again, it's a minority. Uh, it could be a minority. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. But mm. when they when they tortured and raped and murdered that that German girl who turned out yeah. to be not even living there, horrifying. The people on the street were celebrating the death of this person mm. because they thought she was Israeli, mm. like from across the border. Mm. And the fact that that can happen, and it's not like, hey, this is wrong. Just shows you the level, and it's, it's vice versa as well. I've seen videos equally of the Israelis, you know, whip pistol mm. whipping a, 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 a Gaza Strip type dude who's trying to get. It's just it's horrible. But they're not thinking in the way that a Christian will be going. Let's just try and find a solution that works. They're not thinking like that because for them it's ultimatums. When the the Hamas guys were interviewed on SBS the other night, they're like, the way our enemy loves life, we love death, mm. and their whole claim is about getting total domination of the territory and to be honest for the zionist elements of the israeli people it's the same thing but in reverse they want to see total claim of the territory so i don't i don't see a solution to this unless they become followers of jesus (laughs) that's the only way you're going to start seeing things more logically so will this war end this i look my take on it and i could be completely wrong this is an observation humble observation i think this current take of uh, the war that Israel has declared and what Hamas has done, all that stuff, I suspect it will be a skirmish that, like, all the previous skirmishes... I mean, look, you and I have lived a lot, lived long enough here in Australia to know that there's periods of every other night on the news for a good six, seven months, you'll see nothing but suicide bombers and rockets being fired and all that stuff in Israel and Palestine, all that stuff, and then eventually disappears, disappears out of the media. Now, whether it stops as 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 intense as it is on the grounds, on the story, but the West gives up on it. And they move on to something else. The Olympics is coming or the next sporting grand final, whatever it is. And then something else will happen and then we'll come back into the media cycle. Mm. So we have these skirmishes. At some point, someone comes over and makes a truce and then they have a bit of a ceasefire. And then something else will... I mean, in my in my short year, years on the planet, I can remember back as a kid in the 80s, every night was a suicide bomber mm. across, the, across the Gaza Strip. Mm. And that all disappeared. And then it changed to rockets. And now it's it's what it is. I suspect this this the overarching conflict doesn't end. No. It's just it's just the level it of intensity. It just changes yeah. chapters and levels. Yeah. And I suspect the intensity will at some point go back down, but I don't I don't think it's going to solve the problem. I don't think it's going to end with like, oh, we've got a deal. I mean, every US president has been trying to solve this problem since the formation of Israel in 1948. So I don't mm. like their chances on this time around. Yeah, me either. Um, I actually think, like you said, um, if you go into Israel today, Jerusalem, and I've seen this myself, that the answer is Jesus. And people will say, ah, but it, it truly is because, and I've said this a couple of times on this program, as you look at what's going on, you've got Israelis and Palestinians tearing each other apart out there in battle, and these are fierce battles. I mean, yeah. they're to the death. It's, there's no, it almost seems like on both sides it's take no prisoners, we'll fight to the death. But at the very same time that is happening, you've got Jewish people and Palestinians who accepted the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, worshipping together in Jerusalem and around Israel and in the West Bank, worshipping together the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And you can see it. I've, I've challenged our listeners. You can go online. You can go onto YouTube. You can put Jewish and Arab worshippers worshipping together. They're mostly worshipping on the Sabbath. Did yeah. you know that, mate? Yeah. The, yeah Sabbath. the Quran teaches that. Yeah. The Quran teaches to keep the Sabbath, the, the Sabbath day. Well, the Quran and the Torah. 
yeah. teaching the Sabbath. And they are worshipping together on the Sabbath. They are singing together. They're arm in arm together. They're eating together. These are Jews and Arab. And isn't it amazing that both sides, Islam does not accept Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, Judaism does not accept Jesus as the Messiah. And yet on both sides of this conflict, it's the Jewish Messiah who truly is the answer. And in all this darkness right now, in all this darkness, there are pinpricks of light right through Israel, the West Bank, of Christians who love the Lord coming together and showing how it can be done. Hey, Robbie, thanks. Mm, Thanks, mate. Thank you. We could talk more and more. I think... uh, Maybe before Christmas, if I can get you, I'm just going to get you back and we're going to talk a bit about the evangelical view on Israel, um, which is not the Adventist one, by the way. Correct. Um, and I think that might be interesting in the context of the times we're living. Thanks a lot, mate. God bless you. No uh, problem. Hey, see you on Saturday see night. See you here for Canberra. sure. Hey, uh, just before you go, there's a program on Saturday too, isn't there, that everybody's welcome to. Can you just tell us quickly about that? Oh, the, the dinner, you mean? No. Aren't we meeting for a worship and everyone's welcome on Saturday morning somewhere? Oh, Saturday morning, yes. Yeah. Is that is that a part of the Faith FM thing or is the Faith FM thing only at night? So the the main, like we're going to go live at 6.30 um, on the radio, like simulcast in person and on radio at 6.30. And there's a dinner for those that are in So that's for the Faith FM talks. listeners. So that's for that's for Faith and Listeners in Canberra, and uh, you'll hear it across the network as well. We're going to do it live across the network. Okay. Um, on Saturday um, morning, I think you're going to be speaking, Lloyd, at about eleven o'clock. Um, in I think it's the town Albert Town Hall, I think it is. Yeah. In yeah. Canberra. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that that won't be streamed on radio that I know of. But if you're in Canberra and you want to come and meet Lloyd and uh, hear him share, I don't know what you're sharing on, but if you if it's uh, not what do you I share yet. On? Well, not I yet, Robbie. <laughs> I'm I'm doing I'm doing a Robbie Bergen. <laughs> if, you, if you want to hear what Lloyd's going to talk about, because none of us know what he's going to talk about yet, including himself, come on out. Um, go onto the Faithm website, faithm.com.au/events. Look for Canberra. There will be an address there. You come out at eleven o'clock. Mm. If you want to stay for the evening program, you need to RSVP. Okay, thanks, Robbie. God bless you, mate. See you, mate. Thank you. See Bye. Ya. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a cover version of Cornerstone Hillsong's song. Beautiful song. We sing this at church too by Taya.
time don't i want to listen to these oh, songs you chose the songs. <laughs> yeah but that was beautiful it was another one we sing at church yes harold are you there mate yes i'm here lloyd good to hear you harold now for our listeners you'll notice a difference between harold's mic and robbie's tell us what you're going to do hunty because you're um, going to we're going to fix this because harold is a regular on this program I'm coming up an to important see you. one yeah, harold one day i'm coming up to see you in the next few weeks i'm going to bring you a new microphone <laughs> Right. We've had enough of this old one. <laughs> Clangy, echoey thing it is. How are you, mate? Oh, so far, so good. Henry Arnault. Did I say that right? That's right. I know this dude, and I like him a whole lot. I've been aware of his story for a long time. But I want to share it with you, and Hunty's getting the, the – no, he's got it up and running. you got the video counter going there, Hunty, so I know how much time I've yes, got, brother. shortly. <laughs> uh, when and where was Henry born? Well, Henry was born in the High Alps of France back in 1643. So he's a mountain boy. He was, little village of Embron. Have you ever been there? No, I've been to the parts of it, but probably not to that village. I reckon it would be a beautiful part of the world if I know the mountains and the Alps of France. Um, where was he brought up and what was his education like? I like to ask these questions because you get a sense of what's, you know, where this guy was at in his mind and, yeah. Well, while he was born in France in the High Alps, when he was seven, his parents go back to their native valley in Italy, the Lucerna Valley, which we say is part of the Waldensian area. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what occupation did he take up? So you're saying he's well-educated or, or not really? Well, he went to the local school at La Tour, the village. Yep. He did go for further education to Basel or Baal in the 1660s and then to an academy in Geneva. So he was fairly well educated. Okay. So what occupation did he take up? Because this is what he's really famous for. He is. He became a master of the Waldensians in the Piedmont Valley. Uh, now, 
He wasn't just a pastor of the Waldenses. He's a he's a Protestant pastor, uh, yeah. and so he was one of a, a minority. Tell us about these Waldenses. The Waldenses believed that the Bible was the sole authority. If you go to their main church, you'll see the Bible open right by the pulpit, and they believe that they uh, follow the principles of the Bible. In fact, the Waldensians had a Bible translated into French during the Re- uh, the Reformation. And so they were a Protestant group that followed the Bible, and they were a missionary-minded people as well. They lived up in the mountains of, nor- is it northern Italy? Northern Italy, uh, a part of France, part of Italy, and they've been between the two, depending which ruler was antagonistic or not. Okay, so they're, they're living up in the mountains, they're Protestant, were they... Were they a lot of people or not so many? What, are we talking thousands, hundreds of thousands? No, no, not hundreds of thousands, but probably a large number of thousands anyway. Now, the Duke of Savoy in 1686, not a nice guy. Anti-Waldancy, anti-Protestant. What did he do and how did that impact this pastor, Henry Anu, who I happen to think, by the way, Harold, is one of the great pastors of the Protestant Reformation? Well, he just said, all of you people, if you won't worship with the Catholic Church, get out. And he just cleared them out of all the valleys. They ended up having to flee to Switzerland primarily, is that correct? Correct. Henry Arno, he led about 3,000 of them over into Switzerland where they took refuge. Switzerland kind of Protestant, kind of Catholic at that time? It was kinder, yes, much kinder. Yeah. Did the Waldenses try to return to their homelands? So they're banished from their valleys. They're banished from their farms, from their homes. Terrible thing to go through. Did they try to... Well, I would. I know that. Did they try to return? Yes. In fact, uh, some brave Waldenses tried twice to get back, but they did not succeed. So there were a few attempts. Let's get back to our own place. So when they left, were their valleys and their homes taken over by people? Oh, yes. They would have been taken over by others. Yeah. So the Duke of Savoy, he's a nasty character, and he's causing them no end of trouble. Uh, how about the rest of Europe? Did they have any friends? What about the King of England? Well, when William of Orange in 1688 became the King of England, he was a Protestant from the Netherlands, and he'd already given some help and finance to these Waldensians in the past. And so they hoped that he would now help them again. Did he have any influence on the Duke of Savoy? Oh, a little, but not a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I read a book called Brave Man to Battle. Do you know that book, Harold? Oh, I don't know that one. Ah, it's a great book. And it talks about... It's actually an Adventist book from Pacific Publishing. It talks about this story of Henry Arnaud, and the, it's called The Glorious Return or The Great Return. So, so in 1689, uh, Henry's had enough. He's a pastor, but I think, um, am I going too far to say he's a warrior too? He decides to lead the people home, correct? Yes, he decided. He would have been then about 46 years old. He was the pastor. But they had to take their guns to get home. And he led a thousand people from Switzerland, from Neon. And I've been there where they stayed across the lake and over the mountain. I'd love to walk in the summer 
that journey that they took, I reckon it'd be quite moving. Although, let's face it, Hunty, I, I doubt you and I could walk it. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Harold would. Yeah, he's in he'd his, run up it. Harold, Harold would do it easy, but I reckon we'd struggle. <laughs> um, how long did the return take? How long did the actual journey take? Well, I'd say it took about a whole year for them to get over the mountains. They would have to fight here, stop here, fight here, and then the winter would come where you don't go too far. Uh, a great big battle came in the middle of that. So the, the, the bottom line is there's a 1,000 people there on the move. It's, it's almost like the exodus, the children of Israel leaving Egypt on the way to the Promised Land. It's not like a short journey. They have to fight their way across from battle to battle, from hostility to hostility. Um, did they make it eventually? Yes, they did. They finally get back to their own valleys, the Valley Angrogna, at a, a little place called the Sibaud above Bobbio Colici. I've been there. It's a great place where they finished their glorious return. So when they got back, did they evict the people in their homes and their farms and send them packing? Well, some of them may have just gone, said, well, okay, it's your place, and they went. But it's not easy when you're evicted and then to get back again. Now, the Duke of Savoy is still around. Did, did he allow them to... I mean, this is it's called the Glorious Return. They've come from Switzerland, a 1,000 people, marched across the Alps, some of it in winter, fought battle after battle to get home. How did he feel about this? Was he happy to leave them in peace? Well, they got six years of limited peace, that's probably because William of Orange and Althus uh, wrote about them. Some of the English poets wrote about them. Yep. And six years wasn't a long time, but then again, he puts the heat on them. Yeah, he puts the heat on them. They're evicted, and Henry is evicted with them. Is that correct? That's right. In fact, Henry now leads 3,000 more, so there were thousands there, to the Protestant countries of Europe, and he went over into Germany. He, and he passed them over there. You could make a movie on this guy, I reckon, Harold. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's one of the great warrior pastors of the, the Protestant Reformation. Um, I wish we knew more about him. I wish we knew what he was like as a preacher. I know he wrote books, is that correct, about his life and what he'd done? He did write the history of the glorious re-entry of the Vaudois. That's the name for the Waldensians. That's the French name. And that's been translated into English and French and German. So he was a historian, he was a writer, he was a pastor, and he was a soldier. And if you go to Torrey Polici, you see a great statue of him there in the main street. I've seen that statue with actually with you, Harold. Yeah. Um, so he goes to Germany. Does he die there? He dies in Schonenberg in Germany in 1721 so he's for that day and age he lived a reasonable life um how is he are the waldensis still around if you go up into the mountains the northern mountains of italy now what what mountain range are they actually in it's the the lower parts of the alps Uh, are they still around yeah they're still there next to what church is there do they remember this guy uh well, he's part of their history. They've got a statue in, so they they recognise him. Yeah, I wouldn't mind looking at the Waldensi Church sometime because they aren't what they once were. Without going too far into it, um, look, how should we remember him? Well, I don't think you should 
knock him because he was a soldier. He had to do that to actually live. Yeah. But he was a great leader. He was one who stood by the Bible and he led his people. Think about him like a Moses. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a wonderful way of remembering him. Look, just a final question without notice. Those books he wrote, are they, can we still get them? Are they, are we able to read them, um, Harold, or you don't really know the answer to that? Because I, I think I might have to look that question up myself. Google them on, on Google, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read them or never been come across them? Yes, I've read other books on them, a number on the Waldenses, but not his book. If you're interested in the Waldenses and you want to know more about them, uh, Google a book called Brave Man to Battle. You can still buy it online. It's got the – I'm going to buy – I think I'm going to try and buy this one for you for Christmas, Harold. I think right. yeah. I think you'd love it. I will. It's a, it's a story of the history of the Waldenses. And this man, um, Henry Arnaud, that's how I say it, isn't it, Harold? Make sure I get that right. Right. Or Enric Enrico Arnu is that how is that how you'd say his name in in the language? Yes, it is Enrico. Enric. Yeah, Enrico. He he was one of the great champions, and um, it's a story worth reading and knowing more about. Thank you, Harold. God bless you. you. We'll see you next you. week. Thank you. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I, lo- I love the story, Harold uh, um, Hunty, oh, yeah. of, of the Waldenses. Have you ever had the chance to go up into the mountains? Yes, I've been very blessed. Okay, because if you hadn't, it's somewhere I'd like to take you. I know, right? And I'd like to go up there and I'd like to do some programs for our television and for our yes. online yes. media ministry. Because, it, you know, when you go up there, remember you go into the little um, cave, Hunty? Did you get I, I into the cave? Know. I didn't actually go into the cave. Well, Harold was the leader. I think it was snowing when I was there. Well, Harold is the leader. We went in the summer. Yep. And Harold's the leader of our tour group. And he led us up this mountain, narrow mountain path. And we finally made it to this cave. The reason this cave is important is because when the, the soldiers from Rome, the Catholic uh, armies, would come up into these Vodwal valleys to destroy the wild Nancy. Sometimes they'd stay and fight, but often they were overwhelmed with numbers. And so they had these caves they'd, they'd hide in, Hunty. And yes, we went up to this yes. cave, and it's one of the caves they'd hide in. Yes. And to get into it, and you know how claustrophobic I oh, am? Yes. Although I don't reckon I'm as claustrophobic as you. <laughs> but we're both pretty claustrophobic. Yep. So I'm going in there, and Harold's behind me, and I'm trying to get out, and he's pushing me in. I had no choice to keep going. But we went in there, and it just opened up into this massive cavern yep. that, that hundreds of people could have... Um, that's huge. Could, could, could have been in. And we get in there, and there's a tour group there from Germany, a Lutheran tour group. Fellow Protestants. We're Adventists there. Lutheran, but we're Protestants. We're joined together by the great Protestant faith. They're singing, uh, interesting, it's a Catholic hymn, actually, Faith of Our Father's Holy Faith. So we're in this cave where the Waldenses would often escape to, uh, escaping from the Catholic armies, and we're singing this great hymn, Faith of Our Father's Holy Faith. I'll be true to you to death. And you know what it's like when you sing in a cave? Yeah, a few of you can sound like a thousand. Oh, yes. The hair goes up on the back of my neck. Truly mm. one of the most mm. deeply emotional moments of my life. I, I, I am a great fan of the Waldenses, of the Waldensi Church, and of Henry Arnaud. Okay. Before, we're we, gonna... before we move on, um, we had a lovely comment coming from Dee. Can I read it? Yeah. Thank you for having Robbie explaining this delicate subject from a historic point. 
I was wondering about it and trying to talk to a few of my friends about it, but no one really knew. So it was very, very useful and, and informational. Uh, thanks again, and God bless D. That dude's a brain, isn't he? Isn't he ever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I get him on because he's a brain, and I pick his brain, and I'm listening to what he has to say. And I love the guy. He's a humble fella. Oh, yeah. He's a lovely guy. And, I'm going to and... have to play this podcast again tomorrow because so much information. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it, it is. And um, as, as Protestant Christians, certainly as Adventists, I tell you what, we love Jews. And we love Palestinians. For sure. I truly love them both. Yes. And I want to I wanna see them know Jesus, experience Jesus, worship Jesus. Let's have a song, Hunter. I've got a, tidbit, I've got a bit of information about the guy who sings this next song. Mm. Your it, man. His name's Keith Green. Mm. I was listening to a couple of his concerts, bootleg concerts that were recorded on audio cassette. And he would stop the concert if the audience got into the song and started clapping. He'd stop it for a couple of reasons. I think he's a bit musically dyslexic, but he would stop it and say, hang on, I wrote this song for you to hear the words. Yeah. And he used to make a joke about his, his music dyslexia, and he would sometimes he'd stop and say, hey, don't clap, you'll put my drummer off, which is hilarious because he only did concerts with his piano. He never took his drummer on the stage. Anyway, this next song is one of my absolute favourites. It's entitled, How Majestic Is Thy Name? Majestic is thy name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens? Thou hast established Majestic is thy name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. For when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou
my absolute most favourite Christian artist. Anyway, guess what time it is, people? It's Ask the Aussie Pastor Time, my absolute favourite segment. So let's get you, into it. You know why he's one of your favourite artists? Uh, because when I was young, in my late, in my mid-teens, he kept me in touch with God. I was going to say, because you're an old dinosaur. Oh, fine. <laughs> Take my spiritual moment and get it. <laughs> anyway, funny. hey, look, it's Ask Aussie Pastor Time. If you ever want to send us a question, you can text them to us on 0488 or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. So 0488 is the SMS. First question, mate. You ready? Mm. Okay. Is there room for multiculturalism in Australia and the world? That's a good question, and it bothers mm. me that I'm hearing people, I'm thinking mm. Ben Shapiro, who I listen to a fair bit, saying there's not, saying multiculturalism will bring down the West. I, look, there's got to be room for it. Of course. Um, multiculturalism is not necessarily um, respect for the different races. It's more than that. It's people who believe different than me, think differently than me, act differently than me, have different expectations, are completely different than me, can be my neighbours and I can love them and they can love me and we can still get on. So is there room for multiculturalism? There's got to be. And when people start to say there's not, you need to let your ears prick up and you need to be very careful because it's not the way of a Christian. I know a lot of people aren't Christian necessarily listening to this, uh, but it's not necessarily the way of the West either. That's not how we are. And mm. there's got to be room for multiculturalism. I, I fear for our world if it, we ever get to a place mm. where there isn't. And you look where multiculturalism doesn't work, uh, you get the Nazis. Mm. Um and you get like-minded mm. groups mm. who are not just racially segregated but culturally segregated. Look, at this. there's a wealth and a richness in other cultures that I like, hunting. My, my wife is Indonesian, man. We're a multicultural family. We serve the same God. But I've loved getting to know her culture and her food. Oh, the food's beautiful. <laughs> and seeing things from, food. from a good. different perspective and a different point of view. So multiculturalism is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And if people are having a go at it, you need to be very careful about what they're saying. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Should Christians join peaceful protests for worthy causes? I don't. And I don't think they probably should. How's that Explain. for an answer? No, no, no. I'm, I think I would join a peaceful protest for something that was on my heart. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And a lot of people are going to disagree, and that's right. This is radio, and you're set, allowed to disagree. Set, set me straight. Why should no, no, it's not Christians a matter of setting you straight. I, I just, I'm not protesting simply because I belong to another kingdom. And I serve another king. Uh, okay. And if I go and protest something, then the people I'm protesting against, I'm going to, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to disenfranchise them, mate. And so then my ability to reach into their group and evangelize and call them to Christ is minimized. Right. So I don't. No, right. I don't. Right. I know there's lots right. of bad things going on. I know there's lots of things worth protesting. If that's your way, good on you. Get out there and do it and do it in peace. And do it with, you know, you know, do it in peace is the best thing I can say. But for me, I truly do belong to another kingdom, and that's God's kingdom. I fight for another cause, and that's God's fight. And I don't fight with weapons. I fight with love. Mm. And I call people into that kingdom, and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Palestinian or Jew, if you're British. I say I even call the Kiwis, auntie. <laughs> of course. Uh, we call anyone in yes. to follow Christ. And you come yes. in, you're a brother in Christ under the bloodstone banner of Jesus. So, yeah, no, I don't protest. Does yeah, actually, does that make sense? Yeah, no, now I hear you say that, I'm thinking probably I should do the same and not protest. 
I've never seen you protesting. You'd be no, hard. but I've always You'd thought... be hard-pressed walking down a kilometre, <laughs> down the street for a kilometre, mate. <laughs> I'll join you. We'd have to take we'd have to take camp chairs to sit and have a blower halfway down. <laughs> My goodness! All right. Uh, next question: Does the Bible prophetically ever predict peace in the Middle East? No, You've got thirty seconds. Quite the opposite. I think we we kind of answered that. Yeah, we did. In that. Uh, and, yeah. But it's a fair question. I understand why it's coming through at this time. And, and I haven't finished talking about the Middle East, Hunty. We're going to talk a little more with Robbie. I want to look at the evangelical, which is a Protestant movement, and their view on Israel, because I think it, it causes a lot of trouble. And it's a misunderstanding of Scripture prophetically. We'll do that in the next week or two, try and get hold of Robbie. What's the question with 10 seconds to go? Does the Bible no. never predict peace in the Middle no, East? No, quite the opposite. It says there'll be wars and rumours, it'll be havoc. There's only one man going to bring peace. He's already started. When you look at the churches, Hunty, he's yes. already started. Yes. But, and when I say he's already started, there are little churches right through. This is what I mean. Look at the churches through Israel, through Palestine, uh, that have got Christian and Jews worshipping together. There's the only peace you're going to get. Now, I predict, as the Bible does, is going to be trouble, big trouble, until the Jewish Messiah himself returns in the clouds of heaven. Then and only then, Hunty, yep. will this thing be over. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Do I dare do this, Hunty? What, the last song? 40 days out. Is it 40? No, it's more. No, oh. it's 40. It's 40. It's 40. 47 days till the end of the year. Yes, 40 so days. So 40 days. 40 days. To, do I dare, dare do, do it? it? Have do I, it. Have do I, it. Have I done something really bad here? Because I know you don't like Christmas starting early. I don't. Not before ends, not before Memorial Day. Oh, when's Memorial? We're Australians, man. Get... 11th of the 11th, Remembrance Day. Uh, oh, yes. I'm pretty sure. Is that Memorial Day? I, I meant to say Remembrance, Remembrance oh, Day. Dear, you, you set me off there. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were bringing your American... I was lighting the fireworks. Oh, you were. I, I thought we, we almost had a conflict. How about, how about before Thanksgiving? How about before Black Friday or well, something? Well, I don't think we've had Thanksgiving <laughs> no, yet. That's around haven't. the 25th or 6th of November. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. When, it's one of the greatest things. But, hey, I'm, I dare to do it. This is a, Let's do it. This is a Christmas carol from Mariah, Mariah Carey. She got, she's got the quintessential Christmas. Uh, yep. Why am I she playing it now? I just want to get you into the spirit of a time of festivity and joy and peace in a world that's full of so much darkness. It's a story about Jesus. Hark the herald angels sing. What are they singing about, Hunty? The birth. Birth of Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Summer and mercy mine. 
idea to say Merry Christmas. Yes, sad. <laughs> no, no, it's not Christmas yet. <laughs> if I do that too much, I'll encourage the wife to put the Christmas tree oh, up no. at home, and I don't want that. <laughs> the worst thing about the Christmas tree, it looks all right when it goes up, but I'm the one who has to drag the thing down every year. And I'd... When do you do that, somewhere in mid-March? <laughs> <laughs> Well, in those years where I wasn't married, uh, I was known to put a Christmas tree up for my two daughters that never went down. The only thing I did is turn the lights off. I love it. Oh, dear. Thanks for joining us today. It was a serious day. Talked about some really serious issues. Um, If you're Palestinian or Jewish, God bless you. May God bring you peace. May God bring peace to your lands and may you experience Jesus as my prayer. Let me pray. Father in heaven, bless us now as we go our way. Bring peace to our troubled world is my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty and I'm the tech. And you know what? We love you. But Jesus loves you so much more. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.